0: Hey, welcome to e-commerce on tap brought to you by Sourceify. My name is Nathan Resnick. Today we have Julia on who is just an expert on building customer relationships. She has a real estate background and I really was curious to see how that translates into e-commerce to add more perspective to our podcast. So Julia, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you all so much for having me. It's super exciting to be here.
0: I want to start because just before we started recording, I asked you, what does e-commerce mean to you as a realtor? And you've been in real estate for so long. You've seen houses all of a sudden be bought and sold online. And back in the day, that wasn't even a thing. Just to get us started here, what does e-commerce even mean to you?
1: Yeah, great question, and it's going to be that same, a little longer of an answer, because me personally, I'm 41, and e-commerce in and of itself, when it first started, and the way that I perceived it was AOL Instant Messenger and Blackboard, which turned into Facebook with notes, basically, and you could have a chat with somebody about your homework if they were in your in-school network, so basically, I went to Maryville College, it was an offshoot of Harvard, so we got to talk to Harvard students and people in our own campus, and we could share notes. So that was the way that we traded. That was our e-commerce. I'll trade you these notes for this class, for those notes for this one. And then we would right. chat about it on AOL Instant Messenger. So an exchange of information or knowledge is e-commerce. Then mm-hmm. it got to the point where you could buy small things online. Of course, eBay after that became the biggest thing that anybody had ever seen. And obviously right. that was replaced with Amazon. eBay is still its own entity, but Amazon is just... Faster, easier, and simpler to use. So getting that two-day shipping is always a bonus. But during COVID, as a real estate agent, we started seeing e-commerce in the millions of dollars. It wasn't mm-hmm. just, hey, I can buy a car online and go pick it up. And if I don't like it, I can return it. You can't return a house. We're looking at million-dollar purchases now that are completely and solely online. So e-commerce has changed from an information exchange to millions of dollars of purchases. And e-commerce also counts stocks and bonds and things like that for the kind of risk you're getting to. This is a place you're going to live and put your family. And during COVID, you could not open the door. And we saw a spike, especially where I'm at in Tennessee, of online sales. We we Mm -hmm. were selling millions of dollars of real property, sight unseen. Mm -hmm. So e-commerce took a quick turn to be fully reliant on the expertise of the person in front of you On their availability and value to trust that your million dollar purchase is going to go in a specific way. So e-commerce continues to go. There are valuable things that humans, robots Mm -hmm. still can't replace. I can see a crack in a wall, paint change color where it shouldn't have been because I have so much experience selling and owning real estate. I can see just through photos what you've doctored or what you haven't. So Mm e-commerce still means a lot in specific industries. Definitely.
0: I completely agree. And before we dive into how you've been able to use e-commerce as a marketing channel, as a real estate agent, and how that applies to e-commerce brands that are running on Shopify or big commerce or whatever it may be, I've got a fun question or two fun questions. Number one, do you remember your first e-commerce purchase, the first purchase you made online? And number two, What was your favorite purchase that you made during COVID and what really spiked that decision or what convinced you to buy that product online? And was it something that you might have not bought online prior? So I know the first one might take some thinking of what's actually the first product I bought online, but any product that comes to mind that really stuck out during COVID that might have been a product that you were more used to going to a store to buy that now all of a sudden with COVID-
1: that's a great question. I know the answer, and it's an illegal answer, and I'm going to answer it anyway. It was Napster. I paid $0.99 cents for oh. offer of Napster. You weren't supposed to use Napster, and that's how we downloaded it. it. was a free exchange, but if you wanted a whole album, you could pay the $0.99 cents and get a whole mm-hmm. album just one
0: right. song for free. And so right. my very
1: first e-commerce purchase was a $0.99 cent album off of Napster.
0: Wow. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. And it, I think it reflects, too, because traditionally people weren't used to purchasing songs online and just as people weren't used to purchasing homes online just as people weren't used to purchasing mattresses or shoes or whatever may be online zappos got so big because they enabled to easily shop for sneakers online and before zappos most people thought you had to buy sneakers in the store and so i think one of the trends that i'm seeing is that all of these big e-commerce brands that really grow to scale are typically bringing a experience online that used to be completely offline, right?
1: It's got to be easy. and um, Right now, I can do anything through my cell phone. If I have to jump on my computer, it's simply because I'm, I need something very specific that I need a larger screen for. Honestly, yeah. there's nothing I can't do on my phone. To follow up, though, with that answer, after I bought that song, I also had to pay Verizon Wireless $1.99 a month. To use oh, that wow. as my ringtone. I don't know how, how old you are. And, and there may be people out there that don't know how important that is, but you could take a song and download it and then and pay a $1.99 a month, and it was automatically debited out of your account. So technically, that's e-commerce for it to be right. the ringtone on your phone. I remember those good wow. days.
0: So,
1: <laughs> yeah, us older millennials have definitely experienced all of the changes. In, in yeah,
0: that, that is incredible. And I guess the follow-up question to that is, during COVID, was there a purchase that comes to mind that traditionally would have gone to the store to buy and that you were all of a sudden ordering online? For me, it was groceries. I used to go to the grocery store twice a week, and now all of a sudden I'm using Instacart a few times a week. And I don't know, it's just like a magical experience where groceries arrive at your doorstep. I think they've done a really good job for the most part.
1: Not me. In Tennessee we didn't really close down for COVID, which is why we've had mm-hmm. a spike in real estate sales, obviously. We right. had a million people in Nashville, for goodness sake. We had eighty thousand wow. to a hundred thousand people in Knoxville, which is absolutely unheard mm-hmm. of for our small of a town. So right. Tennessee stayed open and I'm a Costco fanatic. So mm. during COVID I ran out of almost nothing. And I'm a four H person, so we had a half a cow or half a beef. We had a sheet of yes. pig. We had all the food we needed literally in yeah. freezers already, because that's just who I am. The biggest purchase that I made during COVID were properties. And I bought those Mm. sight unseen. I didn't even visit them until after they closed. So I bought three rental properties sight unseen to the tune of a little under a million dollars. So the same situation everybody else was in, try to generate something while I'm here.
0: I wanna get back to your roots as a, a real estate agent and in terms of what tools did you use during COVID that you hadn't maybe used before that you felt helped convert more customers, right? Because like you were saying, You bought property sight unseen. E-commerce is basically the practice of convincing a potential buyer to purchase your items online. They're buying that product before they see it, right? Before it arrives at their doorstep. And so though the transaction size in real estate is much greater, you still have to go through the same type of a buying experience with saying, okay, I haven't seen this property or I haven't seen this jacket, whatever it may be. How do I convince a potential customer to actually buy this product or buy this house?
1: Yeah, thousand percent. And business is business, no matter the cost. It can be a widget for $10 or a $10 million purchase somebody somewhere is going to need what you're offering at some point. So as long as it's attractive to them at the time, they're looking and you're in front of them, they're ready to go. So ready, willing and able buyer for everything. Real estate didn't change much except for a couple of things. The coming soon rule came out and the truth and advertising rule came out. Truth and advertising basically saying, don't doctor your photos. You really need to take a picture. It needs to look exactly like it looks when you walk through the house. Or we would enhance photos and maybe clean the floor a little bit or change a cabinet color and make it a little more bright than it was. And the truth and advertising rule came out when COVID hit. So when you look at the photos, you're actually looking at the house. And as somebody who's sold 800 properties, it's easy for me through a photo to see some things that could be changed versus somebody who maybe doesn't own several properties and hasn't sold that many. So being able to have conversations with out-of-state buyers on just photographs and going Mm -hmm. through those photos with them. Now, one thing that made it easier for me was all of the ways that we communicate now being able to have facetime zoom calls all of the things that you can do to screen share and point out while you're on the phone with a client hey did you see this scratch over here in the corner of the floor did you see the darkening in this color of hardwood that means water damage or pet stain that's what that is and they're like oh i didn't notice that i just really need somewhere else to live i'm like great if these things are okay with you we can do this and this Mm -hmm. Coming up with solutions to make sure you're pointing out the problems and making that communication easier which is only because e-commerce is easier so all of those things came into practice and then the coming soon rule said that you can post a photo of a property You must have photos up within 10 days and the property Mm. must be available to show or sell within 14, meaning that you can post your photos and shoppers can see the property and they're not going to get completely under the table washed out because we were having 20 to 30 offers per property at that time during COVID. So it was saying, hey, take a break, give it 14 days, let people actually contact a realtor, let them look at the property, let's get things sold and sold Barely. So, truth right. and advertising coming soon really helped reel that in.
0: Yeah, is the coming soon rule is that like a new practice, or was that kind of just a way to build momentum, or does that kind of come to play in real estate, and how does that translate into to e-commerce? Because people do a lot of kind of pre-launch type of hype and marketing to build up a new campaign that is a new release of a product. But how do you see that coming soon rule uh, apply? And is that something new that was happening more often during COVID? Yeah.
1: So basically what the coming soon rule intention, I truly believe the intention was to give a fair and balanced opportunity for all consumers to be able to purchase a real estate property. Mm -hmm. And that would be a great way to have put it. And then COVID happened. Really what it did was protect them. It wasn't even Mm -hmm. an opportunity for them as much as it was a protection mechanism. So during COVID, let's say, for example, I have 800 past clients. Out of those 800 past clients, I stay in touch with all of them. And as you build your business and you're a larger and larger agent, let's say you're a large team that you're selling maybe $100 million a year in real estate. You don't even need to put a house on the market to sell it. You During right. COVID, you literally could have called one of 800 buyers and said, hey, one, two, three main streets for sale. Who's moving to Tennessee? They're going to call 13 of their friends and be like, get me out of Vermont, right. get me out of New York, get me out right. of California, <laughs> get me out of Chicago. The coming soon rule actually protected the consumer and allowed them the time to digest where it was, what it looked like, contact an agent hire an agent and not just hire the listing agent so keeping food on table for families of buying agents and listing agents being fair to all people available it was a very fair rule but during a down market like we won't see a down market in our market just simply because tennessee is an open we're no income tax state so moving here still (laughs) saves you thousands of dollars but during a down market like we saw after 08 and through maybe Mm -hmm. 2016 the coming soon rule didn't do you any favors. You really and truly needed to be able to get on the phone and market to as many people as possible because it was a buyer's market. You had to beg buyers to come in the door. The coming soon rules slow that down because too many Mm. buyers were coming through the door. So we'll see what happens with it when the market slows down.
0: Got it, makes sense. I want to touch on your book too because you're an author and I want to learn more about unauthorized success. So tell us more about the thesis of the book and what, you know, sparked the decision to become an author. It's an incredible accomplishment. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah, yeah, just add it to the list.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I tell you, I could not add more to my plate. So I met a friend of mine that had written a real estate book and he was super excited about his real estate book. And I thought, that is super cool of you. Where did you find time to do that? I time block everything. There's no time in the day for these extras and i read his book and i was like this is awesome and he put me in touch with the people that helped him publish and i thought all right if i'm ever going to do it now's the time and i was wow. telling this guy my story and he goes oh we can have absolutely help you with this book and now I have a book so we're wow. on the first a draft rewrite 13 chapters it'll be out hopefully in april But it's a book about the story of my life. And I started out very young. I'm a young mother at age of 15, which is now less branded negatively than it was when I was 15 years old. Hmm. As a 15-year-old mother, I had a less than 1% chance of even graduating high school, let alone college, let alone business ownership, let alone political office, let alone a decade of it. And, And I beat every odd. I literally beat all the odds. And... It wasn't easy, and there was not a lot of outreach, and there was not a lot of support, and I named the book Unauthorized Success because every moment of success in my life, there have been three people to say, I can't wait for you to make it, maybe one person that would help, and 5,000 people that couldn't wait for me to fail, right. and it was always unauthorized, and so the book is about Not just the story of surviving that and becoming a successful entrepreneur, a successful business owner, a successful rental owner, a successful parent, a successful wife, a successful everything. It's how I got there and what I had to sacrifice and do to get there. And it's really a lesson for anybody who's going through a very hard time, who feels like I'm alone, I'm going to fail. Nobody cares, I'm not going to be able to do this. You can, you will, you have to, you're not alone. And it's going to be a really good book.
0: That is awesome. That is so incredible. Yeah. I'm excited for you. That is just amazing. I want to dive in. Can we talk about one chapter that really yeah. you love and that you want to highlight? Can we learn a bit more about a chapter that or a story from the yeah. book that would excite our audience?
1: Yeah. So one of my favorite chapters in the book. And this is a, I won't bore you with the story because the story's in there, but the chapter is aptly titled, you can be right or you can be rich, but you don't get to be both. And it was a conversation that I'd had after I had lost the campaign election. And I was very upset about the degradation of our political system and the ethics and all the things that I witnessed. And I was bringing this to the attention of leadership at the time and they were ignoring it. And I did not understand why you would not want to do the right thing. And I put that in quotations. Mm. And my mentor at the time was like, why are you so dead set on proving that Mm. what you know to be true is the right thing? Why are you letting this get in the way of your own success? And I Uh. was so young and I didn't understand that. And I equated with, I equated wealth and richness with also having the moral compass that comes along with those things. You cannot legislate morality, which means you cannot make rules on other people's morality. You do not get Mm -hmm. to see someone else make a immoral mistake and say, I have to tell the world you have to be stopped because in that case, what you've done is pick up their flag of their burden of proof and put it on your shoulder. So whatever you're saying yes to, you just said no to yourself. I said no to my success, my focus, my path forward. And all I saw was the immorality surrounding me. And the way that he posed that question to me was so matter of fact, it stopped me dead in my tracks. Wow! And I thought to myself, my God, but I am right. He goes, great. What do you have? What power do you have? What money do you have? What influence do you have that you're being right is going to fix all of these problems. And I said, none, zero. I had just been elected for the first time. I was not in the millionaires club by any means. I just started my career. I had no financial influence, no local influence outside of being an elected official, a a state elected official, but still the 1% of 1% does not really get you much. You're beholden to those that have more experience than you and the lobbyists that write your checks, period. And so when the question was posed to me, I thought, I don't have any influence. I have no power. I have no money. I have no reason whatsoever to carry this torch. And he's like, why are you carrying it? Wow. If you want to change it, you need to be powerful. You need to have influence. You need to have money. You need to have the control. So right. go be wealthy. And then you can come back and be right. It has shook me to the core. Every decision I hear him in my head. Are you trying wow. to be right? Or are you trying to be rich?
0: Wow. That is awesome. That is incredible.
1: Yeah, it was a good story. That's
0: amazing. I'm so excited to read your book. This is awesome. Where can our audience find you? Where can they sign up to pre-order? I want to know how people can get in touch.
1: Yeah, we're not doing pre-orders, but we are doing I'll email you when it's ready. Pre-orders actually hurt your bestseller chances. I didn't know if anybody knew that in the e-commerce business. Okay,
0: I didn't know know either.
1: Oh, yeah. So here's a good one. When you publish a book and you put it out for pre-selling... What you're doing is you only, if you sell, I think it's like 3,500 copies within three mm-hmm. hours on, you are automatically considered a best selling author. Wow. So if you do pre-sales, it takes away mm-hmm. that three hour time limit, unless you sell after that, it's something like 20,000 copies. So you Got can it. sacrifice 20,000 or push that 3,500 in three hours. So once we get yeah. that push for the initial three hour, mm-hmm. we'll put it on hardback and things like that, but you can send me your information to get notified when that day happens at unauthorizedsuccess.com.
0: Awesome. There you have it. Everyone go to unauthorizedsuccess.com. Julia, this was so amazing. Thank you so much for coming on e-commerce on tap.
1: Thank you all so much. I hope you have the best day ever.
0: Thank you. Bye for now.
1: (laughs) Bye.